Turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to be picking up in verse 22, reading through verse 40. Last week we studied Jesus feeding the 5,000 with a couple of loaves of bread and a few fish. This week we see Jesus rebuking those who followed him after that event to the other side of the sea, which is not what you would expect. Jesus had these great crowds following him around, and so he feeds them. He goes over to the other side of the sea, and we we saw that part last week. And then Jesus rebukes the crowd that follows him. John, the one who's writing this account, explains that there are differing reasons that people follow Jesus. And the difference between those reasons is what divides people into two different groups, those who believe and those who don't. And both groups are represented in this crowd that's following Jesus. We've seen this over and over again in the book of John. His focus is on demonstrating to us the necessity of belief and what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. He ends the book, he, he writes about believing over and over and over again throughout the book. We see it here in our passage. And John ends the book by saying, there are many other things that I could have written, but I wrote these things so that you would believe, and that believing you would have life in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so John um, is in the process of laying out for us the theme of Jesus' work, and that theme is Jesus doing the will of his Father. So he's covered over a year of time in this chapter, or in the, from, from the end of chapter 5 into chapter 6, And he's stringing together different stories in chronological order, but he's skipping over lots of stuff. And the reason he's skipping is because he's got this, he's got a bigger goal than simply to tell some of the things that Jesus did. He has an underlying message, which is the necessity of belief and what that what it means to believe. And in this little part, he's been working on that connection of of believing to Jesus repeatingly repeating the words that he says that he's doing the will of his Father. And so we finally, in, in this passage, we get an explanation of that work and its purpose. When Jesus is saying, I've come to do the will of my Father, I've come to do the will of my Father, I have been doing the will of my Father even until now. These are things we've seen in in the last chapter. Now we finally get an explanation where Jesus lays it all out and says, here's what that means. Here's what it means for me to do the will of my Father. Here's what he has sent me to accomplish. And of course, it connects back to that bigger theme of 
us believing. So please stand for the reading of God's Word. From John chapter 6, again starting in verse 22. The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as I said before I read the passage, people follow Jesus for different reasons. And we see that in this passage. We see that there are different reasons that the crowd could be there. And Jesus rebukes them because they're following him for the wrong reason. Some follow because they saw the truth of his words in their miraculous power. If we're to keep reading in this chapter, as we move forward, we'll see that the disciples 
do fall into this category, that they are committed to following Jesus because they know that his words are true. But others follow because they enjoy the benefits that came from that miracle. And of course, the benefits were that he fed all of them from a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, right? And so there's this very earthly, earthy blessing that they've received through the miracle of God. And that just like those who had been healed receive a very earthly blessing, right? And yet, all those people that were healed, today, where are they? Dead. Right? All those people that were healed are dead. All those people that were fed are dead. And so what is he saying? What does he say to them? He rebukes them for following him, seeking the food which perishes. And the same could be said for people who follow him only to be healed. Those who follow him only to uh, be able to receive the generosity of the common, the, the, you know, the, the giving to the poor that they did, that the disciples, they had this, this purse. And it's clear from something that Judas says later on that when they have extra money, they use it for the benefit of the poor. And so the poor people could be there following him just for the sake of receiving money. And this wouldn't be odd to us today, right? We've seen this sort of thing before, plenty of times in churches, and whether that's that's at a church or whether that's coming to a uh, faith-based soup kitchen or maybe a, a shelter, right, where you have to go to a chapel service or something like that. And, and some of the people are there simply because it provides for their physical needs. And yet what's offered in the Church of Jesus Christ and in these various shelters and whatnot is what's offered is two kinds of bread. And what Jesus is saying is seek the right kind of bread. Seek the blessing that comes that leads to eternal life, not the blessing that comes and that is going to perish. Because it doesn't matter how much physical bread or fish he keeps giving them, eventually they'll all grow old and die. And the same for each of us. It doesn't matter how many earthly physical blessings we receive, and we receive many from the hand of God, that must not be the reason that we're following Jesus, that we call ourselves Christians. But let's take a step back for a second. These people are following Jesus Christ. Okay? They're Christ followers. They just, they just tried to figure out where he was and got in a boat and crossed over the sea, and some of them probably walked around on the land, all right? Just sort of along the along the coast, not not directly across if my if my geography is right. And what? And we look at them and we just think, oh well, they're 
they're so stupid. And I say, no, they're following Jesus Christ. This is the right thing to do. If it's possible for people to follow Jesus Christ, okay, if it's possible to follow him and seek him out diligently, to work hard to figure out where he is and then to make sure you get there, if it's possible to follow Jesus, to seek him diligently, and then to sit under his preaching, okay, to regularly listen to what he says, and that's what this crowd is doing, if it's possible to have all of that be corrupt, as Jesus says, then certainly it's possible for us to be corrupt while attending church, while spending time and energy and money to go to Christian conferences, Christian concerts, by sitting under legitimately biblical, faithful preaching. Because can you accuse Jesus of not having biblical preaching, of his teaching being at fault? Were they seeking him out because his teaching tickled their ears? No, they were seeking Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, right? His preaching was good, holy, true, right. Pick your adjective. It's, if it's a good one, it counts, right? This is the preaching that they're sitting under. They're following the perfect, the Lamb of God. And what does it avail them? If their goal is to receive earthly blessings, then earthly blessings are all that they receive. If our goal is earthly blessings, how much more when we sit under sinful preachers? How much more when there are errors in the teaching that we're listening to? Are we only going to receive earthly blessings? You know, think about the two kinds of people. And you've got to ask yourself, why are you here? Why are you claiming to be a Christian? Why are you following Jesus? And really, coming to church is an act of following Jesus. It's coming to gather in his name to worship him. So yes, this is is an act of faith in Jesus Christ, to, to gather with his people, to sit under the preaching of his word, to sing songs of praise to him. This is this is all good. This is what Jesus and the and the apostles command us to do, right? But why? Why do they command it, and and why are you doing it? What Jesus says is that some of those people, you know, he tells the crowd, you seek me. Why? Not because you saw the miracle, not because you saw a sign, but because you had your belly filled. Now, are there benefits, earthly benefits, to being in a church body? 
absolutely, there are, there are earthly benefits for you being here today. Physical benefits that are destined to perish. As all physical benefits are destined to perish. You know, um, the difference between seeking Jesus because they saw the miracle and, the diff- and, and seeking Jesus because they received bread. You've got to parse very closely to see the distinction there, don't you? Jesus is saying, not because you saw a miracle. Well, what was the miracle? The miracle was that all of them were fed with a few loaves of bread. He says, no, you're not seeking me because you saw the miracle. You're seeking me because you received the bread. But receiving the bread was the miracle, was it not? So that distinction, you've got to pay close attention to figure out what he's saying. He's saying, the difference between following me for the right reasons and following me for the wrong reasons is very, very difficult to divide between, isn't it? It's not real easy to see the difference between following him because you saw a miracle and following him because you received the benefits of that miracle. Well, one of the ways that you can tell the difference is that if you follow Jesus because of the benefit that comes to you through the miracle, then you will follow anybody who promises you or demonstrates any ability to give you that thing. You see the difference? Following somebody who promises to give you that thing, whatever it is that you liked, if you're always jumping from following one person to following another to being excited about a third, okay, you've got to ask yourself, what is it? Why are you, why are you interested in... in Whoever is the latest and the greatest. What are they giving you? What, are they, what, is, what is being associated with them in your mind offer you? Now, I'm talking about, I'm talking about preachers right now, in my mind. You may be thinking about something else, but I'm thinking sermons. But of course, not very many sermons. Shorter than sermons, preferably. As, as a matter of fact, much shorter. Tweets would be great. Just and maybe little pictures. Those things are those things are nice because they're so easy for us to associate ourselves with that person. We think that some of the glory, returning to last week's sermon, we think that some of the glory redounds to us when when we follow after somebody who lots of other people are following after. But that's the 
That's the earthly benefit that Jesus is talking about there. That's the equivalent of being fed and not noticing that a miracle was performed. But there's many other people besides preachers that we might be tempted to follow after who promise these things. If you think about Trump and Bernie Sanders, they're identical. They both are promising things to people, and people are like, yeah, hey, I like the sound of that. In one case, it's, you know, Bernie is saying, I'll give you all free stuff. And a lot of people are going, hey, yeah, that sounds good. I like the sound of that. And Trump, on the other hand, is going, hey, I'll make sure that none of the people you don't like are around. And they're going, hey, I like the sound of that. What's the benefit? Well, you know, it's just a question of which benefit you're after, which guy you're going to throw yourself behind, right? Well, Jesus is offering real physical earthly benefits through these miracles and through the promises. We are not left with only eternal promises. We're, we're given the promises of earthly blessing as well as life everlasting through Jesus Christ, okay? This is, this is why he physically healed the sick. This is why he physically fed the hungry. These are earthly benefits that we receive from his hand. And of course, not just us, but the whole world receives these common grace blessings. But not just common grace, we all receive those common grace, but Christians especially are promised earthly blessing. Well, what's my point? Why are you seeking Jesus? Are you after earthly blessing? Are you after earthly blessing? Or are you seeking the food which endures to eternal life? Just as a couple of chapters ago, Jesus used water as an example with the woman at the well, because they were talking about water. So he uses water as his example. Now they're talking about bread, and so he uses bread as his example. He calls himself water, the water that gives eternal life. In that case, now he calls himself the bread that gives eternal life. Deuteronomy 8.3, we read, Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, did you know that was Deuteronomy? Or did you think that that was... Jesus. Jesus quotes that verse, right? And when does Jesus quote that verse? Jesus quotes that verse when Satan comes and tempts him in the wilderness. That verse is instrumental 
in Jesus resisting the temptation of Satan in Matthew 4.4. And if we learn that concept, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, we've learned the central message of this chapter. That Jesus is rebuking them for seeking after bread alone rather than every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you understand? If we learn that, then it will be instrumental in us resisting temptation as well. Because it will prevent us from seeking Christ for the wrong reasons. It will teach us to seek Christ for the right reasons. So look at the Jews. The Jews were following Jesus. And Jesus begins to show us how we can know whether we are following Christ for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. When the people ask Jesus what to do, in verse 29, he says, believe in him whom he, the Father, sent. In other words, Jesus is saying, believe in me. Believe in me. Believe in Jesus. And so, the people ask him to prove it with a sign. And they remind him that Moses gave them manna. Now, guys, this is, I mean, if you don't understand what's going on, you've got to understand what, what's going on here, okay? What just happened was this whole crowd was fed bread and fish by Jesus for free. He says, you're not following me now because you saw a sign, but because your food, you received food. Then they say, well, what should we do? And he says, well, believe in me. And they say, well, prove to us who you are. Well, he had just gotten done rebuking them for not noticing the sign that he had performed, right? And they say, show us a sign. And then they drop this really unsubtle hint. I mean, it's, this ought to come out and strike you in the face like a sledgehammer, like you, or like you've stepped on a rake and the, the handle comes up and dong, right in the nose. That's what's going on. That should be, it should be that obvious to you what they're saying here. They say, you know, remember, uh, after all, there was back in the, you remember uh, in the Old Testament, there was, we, we got food, manna from heaven. Remember, like, for a long time, we got given this. That would be a pretty awesome sign, Jesus. We liked that last meal you just provided. We'd be totally okay with having a meal every day like this for the next 40-ish years. That would be cool. That's the message. That, that they're, that's their response to Jesus. Right after Jesus got done saying, you know, you're not following me because you saw a sign. 
And what good would 40 more years of meals from Jesus be if they don't even notice the first one? Is that like one millionth of a sign? And and if he does it a million more times, then they'll finally be like, oh, well, now you finally made it to a sign. It was a sign. They didn't care. They just wanted bread. They They would have followed anybody in the world who would say to them, hey, free bread over here. And how many times have you seen people show up to youth group events or to, you know, who knows what, because there's free food? Like, this is, this is not hard for us to grasp. You and I have been there. It's like, oh, wait, there's food involved? Yeah, I'm there. Is that wrong? Well, no, not necessarily. It's not wrong to offer people food. It's not wrong for them to take food. The question is, Are you going to follow Jesus? And if you're going to follow Jesus, why are you going to follow Jesus? Like I said, coming to church is following Jesus. But John keeps distinguishing between the two kinds of belief. The belief that says, I know if I show up at church, there will be social good for me. I'll have friends. My children will have friends. They will have they'll learn to make good choices in life. There will be positive role models and influences on them. There will be, and you could just go down the line, you can talk about all of the benefits, the earthly benefits that come from being a part of a church, right? And those are real benefits. They're good. It's like food. It's from God. It's for us to eat and enjoy. This is right. But it's not the point. It can't be the point. It can't be the reason why you're at church, why you're a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's the reason why, then you're like the Jews. Any other club that would say, hey, you know, join this club and we'll offer you this and this and this and this and this. And you're like, oh, hey, that's one more than I get at church. That's one more than I get from following Jesus. Or, that's about the same as I get from following Jesus. And plus, yay, no persecution. And one of these days, if that's the reason you're following Jesus, you will realize, you know what, I'm not really into this whole cost thing. I'm not really into this whole there being expectations laid on me. And really, I don't believe, I have not put my faith in Jesus. What I really want is free bread. And you'll leave. But that cannot be us. We must be followers of Jesus Christ by faith, as it's laid out here. And so how is it laid out here? Well, Jesus makes it explicit. Finally, in verses 35 to 40, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. This is the same promise that he made to the woman at the well. Ask, and I'll give you life 
that wells up to eternal life. I'll give you water that flows forever and quenches your thirst. You'll never be thirsty again. Jesus says, I am the bread. All you have to do is come to me and you will not hunger. You will never thirst. And how are they supposed to know this? Well, in part, they're supposed to know this because they've just been fed by him. He has demonstrated his power to give them exactly what they need. Exactly what they needed right then happens to be physical bread. And he made it out of nothing. It suddenly existed. It was a sign. It was a sign meant to show them that he had what they needed perpetually. He had what they needed not simply to give them earthly life, but he had what they needed in order to give them eternal life. And yet they don't believe, in spite of seeing him. But here's the good news he offers. At that point, he's just rebuked them, and they've said, Yeah, you know, we'd kind of prefer the physical. Just the earthly bread would be cool with us. And what does he say? He lays on them the burden of coming to him. He just says, Come. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Verse 37. So what does he give them? He gives them a command to come, follow him, believe in him, while at the same time promising that if they do, he will not cast them out. Now that's encouraging. It's encouraging because you know you're following him for the wrong reasons. You know that even your motives are sinful. Right? Don't you see this even in yourself? And this is why it's incredibly encouraging at this, at this moment right here that he makes explicit predestination. It's this is random little phrase, you know, partial bit of a sentence. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Well, how will they come to him? Will they come to him in two different ways, in the right way and in the wrong way? No, what he's saying is, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and I will never cast them out. These people will receive eternal life. And he says it multiple times after this. I will raise them up. Eternal life. All that the Father gives to Jesus will come to him. And then he guarantees that he will save those who come. 
all that he has given me, of all that, I lose nothing. What's Jesus' whole point? Remember, he's been saying, he's, John's been explaining Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, and it starts off with saying, I do the will of my Father even until now. And then you move into him performing the miracle, and then you move into him saying that he's continuing to do the will of his Father, not to do his own will, in verse 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. So why was Jesus sent? So that all that God the Father had given to him would come to him and would be saved. And so what's John's point? And so John's point is, therefore, believe. Therefore, believe not for the sake of earthly benefit. Believe for the sake of your eternal soul. And so that's what Jesus does. He returns to his exhortation that we should seek the food that gives eternal life. And he makes clear that he is that food. He is the one we must seek. He is the one we must come to. He is the one we must believe in. Not like they believed in him. That's John's whole point. Don't believe in Jesus in such a way as that you know he's real, you know he performs miracles, you know he gives earthly blessing, but you have not put your faith and your hope in him. Believe in such a way that your only hope in this life and in the life to come is his righteousness, is his promise that he will not cast you out if you come to him. That's the good news. That's what we have here. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that's the good news. And so we seek him for the sake of what he promises, his words. It all goes back to what he's been saying. What did the miracles prove? What did the feeding of 5,000 prove? It proved that Jesus was who he claimed to be and that his words were true and from God. And his words are the words of life, eternal life. That's the gospel. Let's pray.